0: Well, I hope you're all here to find love in the time of coronavirus. Well, we're we're limping along. We'll get through this thing together. But one way we're gonna enjoy the day. <clears throat> Despite all Of the events in the news is with a little thing called the simultaneous sip. Now I know you're thinking, but Scott, the simultaneous sip can't cure the coronavirus, can it? To which I say, you don't know until you try. So all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass of tanker, jellies or stein, a canteen, jug or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called The Simultaneous Hip. Go. Ah. Well, the uh, dumbest presidential candidate in the history of candidates, Joe Biden, whose uh, addled brain is barely functioning at this point, I think we could agree, he has decided uh, to go public and prove to the world that he doesn't understand the strategy against the coronavirus. All right, I'm going to read his, uh, something he said yesterday and tell me if you think he understands what the strategy is. Because the CDC has a strategy and it's to flatten the curve. Those are their exact words. Nobody is trying to keep the virus from getting in because that can't be done, and nobody thinks it can be done. There are no experts who think we can stop the spread of the disease, none. If you think that, it's time to change your mind. (laughs) The disease is coming, it could be 40 to 70% of the public get it, and that's actually the only way it will ever stop, because you have to have enough herd immunity that the odds of spreading it aren't that high, because it always hits somebody who's already got it and is immune. So that's the strategy. The strategy is to slow it down. And that's it. That's the only strategy, and everybody agrees that's the strategy. The CDC says it clearly and often. Here's what Joe Biden says. Quote, a wall will not stop the coronavirus. All right, we're done there, right? Aren't we done? He can't be president. We're in the middle of a crisis, and he can't tell the difference between slowing something down because that's the best we can do, and stopping it. A wall will not stop a coronavirus? How does that have anything to do with anything? Okay, let's, let's say that's just politics and we'll let that pass. Uh, and then he went on and said, uh, bu- 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 banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it. Biden continued, taking aim at the temporary travel policy. Um, Joe Biden, you just proved you can't be president. Because if you think that the travel ban was to stop it, you're missing the whole important part, which is that it can't be stopped. The important part is slowing it down and flattening the curve. And Joe Biden, if you don't know that, by now, you really can't be president. And was there nobody on his team who could advise him? That the strategy is to flatten the curve. Nobody noticed. Nobody's paying attention. Has anybody watched any of the CDC um, stuff at all? Somebody asked me, "What's this going to look? What what will it look like if uh, Kamala Harris becomes the vice president and, and looks like she's a nursemaid for a declining Biden?" And I said, unfortunately for them, it's going to look like a uh, driving Miss Daisy situation. It's going to look, you know, with the genders reversed. It's going to look like Biden is Miss Daisy and uh, Kamala is driving the car. And I don't know how we got here. I, you have to, don't you have to blame the Democrats? Now, I realized that when Trump was running for office, the The Democrats were yelling, you Republicans, can't you see? Are you blind to what's happening here? Uh, My cat's bumping the camera if that's why it moves. Um, To which I said, no, actually, I can't see it. No, I can't see it. Uh, You're telling me that Trump is a monster and he'll destroy the world, but I'm looking at the same things you're looking at, and I don't see it. And then he became president and things were going well except for the one thing he couldn't control, the virus. And he did the one thing he could do that he could control, which is close, close travel fairly quickly. So is that the same as watching Joe Biden run for president? and clearly is in some stage of, uh, I'm just going to say it, some stage of mental decline you know, I was going to use a word, but I think I won't use a, mental, a medical word because obviously I, I can't diagnose him. But there's something going on. Anyway, that's enough on that. Um, I would ask Democrats not to put the country in this kind of danger. I mean, what would happen? You know, I don't even want to put this thought into the universe, but let's, let's say if Trump retired tomorrow, just to put it that way what would be the backup plan? I mean, of course, Vice President, but for 2021, could we survive a President Biden whose brain is clearly not working? <laughs> what do you say, Democrats? I, you know what I need to do is I, I need to give someone as a guest, or, or, now this is interesting, I've never talked to anybody in person who, th- who supported Biden and also thought his brain was working. Have you? How can it be that I've never talked to anybody who think Biden's brain is working? Now, I have talked to people who support Biden, but I've never heard them say directly, yeah, I'm looking at him and he looks fine to me. Because I don't think it's a thing. I don't think there's any Democrat who can look you in the eyes and be honest. I mean, anybody can lie, but, and be honest and say, you know, I don't see anything wrong. I'm watching the videos you are. I guess those videos are just sort of taken out of context. So, you know, you're being fooled. There's, there's nothing wrong with Joe Biden. Have you ever, have you, have you been in person with somebody you know? You know, not just somebody on TV who could lie, of course, but somebody you know. Will they look you in the eye and say, I'm, I'm looking at those videos. He looks fine to me. I don't know, is that ever gonna happen? Um, Let's stop arguing about whether people are panicking or not panicking. That's word thinking. Let's just call it preparing. Every time somebody says, so-and-so is panicking or are you panicking or who's panicking or panic, 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 immediately just replace the word with preparation. Because nobody knows the right amount of emotional investment. <laughs> you know, don't worry about my internal state. Worry about what I do. Uh, and l- Let's just call it preparing. So every time somebody uses that other P word, immediately correct them and say, well, the only thing we know is that we're preparing. You know, I-, I don't think we can define the exact proper amount of worry, which, by the way, should be different for each person, depending on your situation. All right. Uh, Joel Pollack uh, wrote an amazing piece in Breitbart uh, today, and you can see it in my Twitter feed. I retweeted it. I tweeted it. And um, he's comparing the timelines of impeachment with the timelines of the beginning of the coronavirus before the United States was fully engaged. And there's a complete cross, there's a complete overlap. In other words, When the government of the United States should have been putting its focus on the coronavirus really early, it was instead distracted by the impeachment process. And I don't think, you know, of course, the Democrats have always been saying, hey, we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time. But they didn't. You don't have to wonder, could they walk and chew gum at the same time? That question doesn't have to be asked anymore. You don't have to ask, is it possible? You can simply look at what happened. It didn't happen. They walked, and they did not chew gum. Now, maybe they could have. Maybe. Maybe if you talk to them say, you know, we could have done both things, but we didn't. So it doesn't matter if you can walk and chew gum if you're not willing to. If all you're going to do is walk and not chew the gum... Don't tell us you can, if you don't. And they didn't. And you could argue, and Joel puts this this thought out there in the universe, that we can now put a price on the impeachment in lives. Actual people who will die, who might not have died otherwise because of a slow preparation and lack of focus on this emerging problem at the time could it be that impeachment will kill a million million americans you know did did you just scoff at that did you just scoff when i said that impeachment might kill a million americans because you shouldn't have i think that's the upside i don't think it will be more than that but if you were to price you know sort of a free economics economic Um, pricing of the impeachment, you'd have to look at the opportunity cost. That's how economists think. They say, if we're doing this, we can't simultaneously be doing this other thing because you can't be everywhere at once. Uh, It's true with money, but it's true with any resource. If you're doing something, you can't be doing something else with the same resources. So I think the argument is fairly solid that a late start will make a big difference in the outcomes, and we probably got started later than we should have. I mean, we should have been printing ventilators like crazy in mid-January so we didn't have to worry about it in February and March. All right, here's a question that's really making me angry. And I don't know the answer to this, which is why are we not seeing reporting on the ground of an actual manufacturing company in the United States who's going balls to the wall to ramp up to make ventilators, even if they've never made a ventilator before. Now, is that because it's not happening? Is that because there's only one little ventilator company in the United States and all the rest of them are in other countries, and that poor little company can't do anything, so it's better to ignore it and, and just... People are going to die because we don't have enough ventilators. What exactly is happening with the ventilator situation? I'd like to see a news crew camped out outside of an American manufacturing plant and watch them work 24 hours a day making ventilators that they maybe even never made two weeks ago. Where's my Apple ventilator? Serious question. If Apple computer made a ventilator, And they said, we don't know if or when you'll ever use this, but here's one you can have at your house. It's, uh, I don't know, $1,000, whatever it is. Would there be enough senior citizens, people like me, I'm in that risk category over a certain age, have some history of asthma. Would I pay $1,000 to have an Apple-made ventilator just in case? You know, just to have it sitting there just in case? Yes, yes, I would. So Apple Computer, if you're listening, I would buy an Apple ventilator. Now, you're saying to yourself, how hard is it to make a ventilator, right? So a, an alert follower of my uh, Twitter account showed me, uh, tweeted out an article from 2010. All right, so context is important. This is 10 years ago. 10 years ago, MIT had a contest, I guess, To see if somebody could, see if the students could develop a low cost ventilator for exactly this reason an emergency low cost ventilator. Students made one with $100 in parts. And I think they used mostly off the shelf parts. I don't think they invented parts. I think they just bought parts and assembled them in a little do it yourself kit and actually made working ventilators in a reproducible way for $100. Now, obviously an Apple-made ventilator would not be $100, it'd be maybe a thousand or whatever. But the point is, apparently it's not hard to make them. There doesn't seem to be too much to it. Now, someone else weighed in and here's a fact check for you saying, "Scott, Scott, Scott, it's not good enough just to have ventilators, you also have to have trained operators." If you don't have a trained operator, it's not going to help you with your ventilators. To which I say, seriously, we, we couldn't, you know, you couldn't do a telemedicine call to a doctor and say, hey, I got my ventilator, am I putting this on right? And the doctor says, no, better, you better tighten up the mask a little bit. If I were there, I'd make sure there are no holes. You know, stuff like that. Is that really a problem? that these ventilators that students students can make for $100. It's just a little mask thing. You don't think we can figure out how to put that little mask thing on our faces without a trained operator and hit the button and turn it on? I don't know. There, I got questions. In World War II, this country ramped up to produce you know tanks and weapons and all kinds of stuff, and we did it pretty quickly. Over in China, you saw them ramp up to create hospitals they built hospitals in 2 weeks <laughs> it almost sounds like i it almost sounds like i misspoke china built entire hospitals in 2 weeks now of course they were temporary etc but good enough for the job we can't build enough ventilators with this much warning if you give the united states 30 days warning of a problem We can't build stuff anymore. There's nobody in this country who can build stuff really fast. Maybe. I mean, could it be that our manufacturing capability, uh, you know, just generally has dropped so low that we can't ramp up quickly and, and build a little device that a student can make for $100? And we can't crank these out by the hundreds of thousands with two weeks of notice? What's wrong with our country if we can't? And I don't know that we can't. Let's have some, I'm asking for some reporting on that. So news business, please find some companies in that business and ask them what's happening. And, you know, and can we help? If you said to me, Scott, there's a ventilator company down the road from you and, they're, you know, the only thing they need is more labor because you need somebody to assemble the parts and we, we can't build a robot to do it this quickly. So we just need lots of people just to assemble them. I'd be down there in a heartbeat. I would would stand up, I would go to my car, and I would drive down there, and I would start assembling for free. You don't even need to pay me. I'll work all day. I'll assemble some ventilators for you. Just tell me what I need to do, all right? So, very disappointed in the media for not focusing on that problem. Maybe they will. I've started a new policy today. Um, you can, of course, make your own decisions. But I'm blocking anybody on Twitter who comes into my mentions, <clears throat> into the comments, and keeps saying that this is the common flu and it's it's going to be like the common cold and we're all panicking and we should stop worrying because it's not going to be a problem. That is exactly what it may be, at, I don't know, A Chinese agent might say. So I'm going to block everybody, no matter how long you followed me. I'm going to block you for coming into Twitter and saying it's just a common cold, it's a regular flu, or even comparing it to the regular flu. So anybody who compares it to the swine flu, compares it to Ebola, as if that's making a point that it's not so bad, I'm just blocking you all for now. Because this is a crisis, it's an emergency. And normally I would say, hey, free speech, say whatever you want, but that's dangerous. It's dangerous for that kind of opinion to be out there. Now, are they right? Are they right that, you know, a year from now we might say, my God, we panicked and everything was fine? Are they right? Well, it's not impossible, but it is also the dumbest thing in the world, uh, It's the dumbest thing in the world to act as if you know it's not going to be a problem. Because you don't know. (laughs) You don't know. So maybe you should be prepared. Anyway, so I'm blocking anybody who is acting exactly like a Chinese agent, even if they're not. There's just no excuse for acting like one. Um, Here's a question for you. Can two people share a ventilator? Now, obviously, two people can't have a face mask, the same face mask on for the ventilator. But because it's an emergency, um, is there any situation in which you could add like an adapter to a ventilator that would keep the two people's air separate, let's say? and I don't even know if that's important. If both people do have coronavirus, does it matter anymore if you get exposed? I don't know how that works. But could you put an adapter that's just a hose adapter so two people could use the same uh, ventilator? I think the answer is probably not for any variety of reasons of cross-contamination, you know, not enough power, et cetera. But if the only problem is that the ventilator wouldn't last as long, you know, if you overtaxed it or something like that, or maybe each person would only get 80% as much air, you know, there may be an engineering reason why it can't work as well. But i just put it out there. You know, in a normal world, nobody would ever have the thought, it just wouldn't even be a thought, that you would ever put two people on a ventilator, right? Because in a normal world, you would just never do that. But is the only reason we haven't considered it? Because we have normal world thoughts. You know, should we at least toss it into the mix that somebody could develop a... And, and maybe maybe somebody's making a ventilator now that's a you know, a central processor with a number of hoses? Is that a thing? Could you build that? I don't know. I'm not suggesting it's possible. I'm just saying, um, let's put all the ideas into the mix. And in the, in the deeply unlikely, you know, 1% case, that having a, having a, you know, a hose, double hose coming off of a single ventilator might actually make sense, 1% chance. I mean, it's not very high likelihood. But I'll put it out there. Maybe somebody sees it and says, my God, I never thought about that. You never know. Uh, this report from UC San Francisco on what is likely to happen in the United States. It goes like this. So their estimate <clears throat> is that 40 to 70% of the U.S. will be infected over the next year and a half. 40 to 70%. Now, you, need, <clears throat> you would need that many people to get infected, to have any hope that it slows down or stops. Because you have to have enough people who can't get it again because they've already been exposed and have some immunity, presumably. I mean, I think we're agreed that it creates immunity if you've had it once, but I guess we should get a confirmation on that as well. Um, And they estimate that 1.5 million Americans may die compared to a seasonal flu that might be 50,000. See, this is why I'm blocking people who are comparing, because they're doing that dumb thing where they're comparing the number of people who have died already from this flu to the total number who will ever die from the other flu. So it's like a few hundred compared to 50,000. But the real number, of course, is the risk number, that it could be 1.5 million people, mostly old people, um, compared to 50,000. That's not really close. Those are different problems. Um, fatality range they're still saying is in the range of uh, 10 times as much as the regular flu there's some reason to hope that that could be downgraded when we have more information uh, this assumes no drug is found and I think that's fair so 1.5 million people dying who might not have died otherwise or at least not so well they all, everybody dies <laughs> everybody dies uh, but wouldn't have happened that quickly or for that reason Um, here's something I would like my government to do for me Uh, so schools are closing in various places in the country not everywhere so last I checked three states had closed and a lot of individual private schools and stuff are probably closed so schools are closing I don't see much hope that that won't be widespread in other words I think most of the states, if not all, are going to close schools. We we'll probably have to. So I think school closings are coming. Um, here's what I need from my government to make that work. If you have kids, you know, between a certain age, let's say they're old enough to be a little bit independent, you know, let's say 11 years old to 18. So you've got a kid in the house, 11 to 18. And you say, okay, kids, you're going to stay home from school. And the kids say, yay. All right, yay, stay home from school. And then you say, "Um, and you're not going to be able to leave the house. And and they say, what? Yeah, kids, you're actually going to stay in this house for 30 to 90 days. Tell that to your 11-year-old. And then they say, Well, but, you know, our friends will be able to come over and, you know, at least least we'll be with our friends. And then you, as the parents say, okay, I don't think you're hearing this yet. Not with friends. You're not going to be with your friends and you're not going to be in school. You're going to be so bored that your head is going to explode. And then they'll say, okay, but can I go visit one friend? And if you're a parent, you know you're going to break down. You're going to break down because your kid is going to nag you and nag you and say, but just one friend. I just want to go visit one friend. I'm going crazy. I have nothing to do. I'm just you know playing with my phone. Can I just visit one friend? And you're going to say, all right, all right. But hard rule, one friend. So you can go to their house and then you can come directly back, one friend. And your kid goes to their house And 50 frickin' friends show up. Because they're kids, right? Kids say, hey, come over to my house. My mom said it's okay. Or didn't say it's okay, and they come anyway. You can't keep kids from bunching if they have phones. So unless you took their phones away, which nobody's going to do, right? Nobody's going to take kids' phones away, especially in that teenage range. It's just impossible. If you don't take their phones away, They call each other and they say, hey, I got permission to go to one friend's house. Meet me there. Kids will not comply. They will not comply. There isn't the slightest chance that when they walk out of the house, they will comply. They will not. So you have to plan a world in which there's massive noncompliance. I want my government to do this. Um, assuming more schools close or even the amount they have. I want my government to issue an executive order telling kids how much or if they should socialize. In other words, I want my government to tell me as a parent what to tell the kid. Because the only hope I have is to tell my kid, my God, I I would let you go play with your one friend. I really would. I mean, I think it's reasonable. But it's the law There's an executive order. It's the law. We could get arrested. Now, could it be a law? Would you get arrested? No. But these are kids. You're going to have to lie to them. (laughs) You're going to have to lie to them and tell them it's a law. Otherwise, there's no chance of compliance, and even then there's not much chance. But it would help. So I would like my government to, um, assuming schools close, to do some kind of an executive order. Obviously, there's no such thing as a binding order of this type. It wouldn't really be legally um, binding, but parents could use it. They could still tell their kid, look, there's an executive order from the president that says you've got to stay inside. It's not me. you know. Take, take the pressure off the parents. That's all I'm asking. Um, apparently, China... I'd seen stories about this, but honestly didn't believe it. You know, I'd heard stories that Chinese officials were starting to blame the United States for putting the virus in China or starting it ourselves or something like that. And I thought, no, they're not. That's crazy. The the Chinese government is not blaming the United States for the Wuhan virus. That would just be nuts. And then I saw it. It's actually happening. China, real officials, you know, people with titles on Twitter and stuff, are actually blaming the United States for the Wuhan virus. To which I say, thanks a lot. Oh man, I just stopped myself from really swearing a lot. <laughs> my, my cursing reflex was, was like just right on the, right on the barrel there. Um, thank you, China. Or guaranteeing decoupling, you know, there were a lot of there were a lot of reasons to decouple before this virus came out, and I, I've been one of the most vocal people saying we should do it. Now that doesn't mean we do it tomorrow. It just means that that should be a national strategy to get our stuff out of China, move our manufacturing back, and become less dependent. Because they actually uh, not only did they blame us for it. Well, here's the good part, the good part being the bad part. China actually has threatened to withhold antibiotics for political reasons. What? (laughs) Are you kidding me? We have critical manufacturing in a country that just threatened to use access to medicine as a weapon against us? decoupling is on. There isn't anything that could stop decoupling now. Let, let, me, let me state this as a fact and see if any of you disagree with it. Four months ago, when I was putting hashtag decouple in every other tweet, and I was saying, people, 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 we have to decouple. You know, other people were saying it too, I'm not the only one. But wasn't wasn't the general reaction to that well, that's a little extreme. We're not going to decouple from China. You know, I mean, we got our problems. We'll work through it. It's normal. We're not going to decouple. What do you think now? Now that, now that we put critical um, pharmaceuticals in China and they just threatened to use that against us. Now, maybe they won't. My guess is they won't use it against us. It would be too dangerous. But once they've threatened, that's the end of the story. You know, there, you've got lots of variables that you say, oh, how do I weigh this variable? And should we decouple? And maybe we shouldn't. And, well, we can work this thing out, and we can work that thing out, and we could put up with this. So, you know, we don't really need to decouple. I see your argument, but, you know, it's a sort of a gray area. Not anymore. It's not a gray area now. When a country threatens to withhold antibiotics during a pandemic, that removes all doubt. There's no longer any doubt. Decoupling has to happen, and more importantly, it will. There isn't any chance we're keeping our shit in China anymore. That's over. So, whatever you're planning in terms of you know looking at the future of the world and what what's going to happen with the economy, etc. Um, I'm hoping it's good news that we're bringing manufacturing back to the United States. But if you're wondering if we're going to decouple from China, you know it'll probably be gradual. But it's no longer if. It's no longer if. Once they've threatened our health, doesn't matter if it's an empty threat. Doesn't matter if they meant it. Doesn't matter if they really would have no intention of doing that. None of that matters. The threat is the end of the story. No conversations need to be happened. No debate needs to happen anymore. We need to be on the same side on this. It's time to decouple. All right, it'll happen. Uh, I see Trump blaming Obama for the CDC not being ready for the pandemic. And, you know... You can make the argument that the other guy should have been more prepared, but Trump's had three years on the job, and you know it took eight years of Obama and three years of Trump to not be prepared enough. I guess I mean th- there is obviously preparation, but um, some deficiency in preparation, testing, for example. Now I don't I don't have any tolerance for this anymore. I have no tolerance. For blaming the past. Now, I don't have any tolerance for Trump blaming Obama, but I also don't have any tolerance for anybody blaming Trump. It's just backwards thinking during an emergency. We only need to focus forward. If you're spending any of your time tweeting or, you know, blaming the last administration or even blaming what Trump should have done in 2017 as if we knew what to do then, um, it's just wasted time. Please don't waste my time blaming the past. Let's let's look forward. Um, there's a weird thing happening that... I, it's, it's terrible to mention, but I'm going to do it anyway. That the Wuhan virus... And I don't mean this to be a joke. It's just this weird element of the simulation that we live in that this could ever happen. Our biggest problem had been climate change. And it looks like the Wuhan virus is almost designed to solve it. Now, I don't think it's designed. I'm not, not making that claim. I think it's probably natural. But it does seem to really help for climate change because it slowed down the whole economy. And it, you know it, I'm not sure international travel will ever be the same. But there's an even darker side to this. There's a hashtag trending. If you haven't heard this, this is dark. This is really dark stuff. Apparently young people who are relatively immune to the Wuhan virus, I've started a hashtag called Boomer Remover. <laughs> and you've got to really have a dark sense of humor to laugh at that. And I do, ha- happily. So, even though it's about removing me because i'm I'm at the tail end of the boomers um, you can't you can't ignore the fact that it's weird that young people were blaming a certain generation for climate change, and then this virus comes, it totally removes the smog because all the industrial stuff stopped in the most polluted places, you know China in particular. And then it started killing the people that they blame for the problem. Has there ever been a virus more, more suited, accidentally, I think, more suited to solve some other problem? And, and so the young people are actually so cold that they're saying, well, you boomers ruined the world for us. Here's a virus that's going to take you out and leave us with your stuff. Maybe not so bad. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say about that. That's just, that's just mind-boggling. Uh, Martha McCallum on Fox News asked uh, CMS Administrator Seema Verma if there were enough ventilators in the country. And she asked her uh, four times, and each time she refused to answer the question directly. Instead, just talked about some talking points until Martha was pretty frustrated. But if you avoid a question four times, that is your answer. You can't avoid a question four times and then say, well, I guess there was no answer. No, the answer is the avoiding the question four times. The answer is no. The answer is no, we do not have enough ventilators. But it could be, it's not the dumbest thing in the world for the government maybe not to worry us about it if you can't fix it. So if you can't fix it, maybe somebody in the comments says it's confirmed that the Brazilian president has coronavirus. Um, I was expecting that. I don't know if that's that's just a comment here. I'm not saying that's true. But check your news. Uh, I w- I w- I've I been expecting that news. I've been expecting to hear that the Brazilian president has it because some of the members of his staff did. Um, But check that. I'm not sure if that's true yet. So I wonder if 3D printers will ever become part of emergency preparation. Can you imagine having a 3D printer, and I guess you'd have to project into the future, where the 3D printers are just better? And there's a there's a problem that comes up, and the government just sends a, a blueprint down to everybody's 3D printer on how to print your own $100 ventilator. Could you get to a point where you could print a ventilator? Now, before that, you would probably get to a point where you could print a mask, maybe. Maybe print some toilet paper. So I'm wondering if the far future, won't help us this time, But I'm wondering if the future, 15 years from now, is that uh, each, maybe it's each town, not each house, but each town has a 3D printer, and as soon as the emergency breaks out, these printers activate and they start printing out the very thing you need for this very problem. Because each problem needs a, a different set of supplies. So you might have a problem where you need a different set of supplies and they're going to be limited because nobody expected the emergency so maybe there's a world where 3d printers become the emergency plan um, Democrats apparently are uh, they're handicapping these uh, these emergency congressional legislation things that are trying to you know settle the markets and handle the handle the epidemic etc and the Democrats are adding adding pork to it, I don't know if it's pork or just stuff they want, Um, is slowing it down. And so I I see news about this, and the news will report, well, the Democrats collectively tried to add this thing, and that's going to slow it down during an emergency. And I thought to myself, show us names. I want to see a a one-page slide that says... Congress, you know, somebody proposed this bill to fund the pandemic one way or the other. These three Democrats propose things that are slowing it down. That are you know, maybe they're good things in and of themselves, but they couldn't get passed by themselves, so they're trying to tack it onto this other thing. This is an emergency. Let's uh, show the public exactly who is slowing things down. Now, if they can make their case, well, maybe they get an audience for that, and people say, yeah, yeah, it should be slowed down, because we should add this extra you know, element to the bill. Maybe they can make their case. But why don't you know the names, the actual name, the person who's trying to slow down these bills by adding stuff? Now, in a normal world, you don't care. It's like, ah, Democrats are doing this, Republicans are doing this, but this isn't normal. This is an emergency. In an emergency, you have to list all of your resources. And one of the resources is the American public and social media and the news. Tell us who is slowing things down. Can you give us a picture and a name? News media? Show us the people. Is it all of them? Do all of the Republicans want these things? I'm sorry. Do all of the Democrats want these items added to the... Emergency bills. Well, that'd be good to know. Or is it there are some specific leaders or specific people who are trying to add these things? Because I need to know their names. Don't you? Because you're in this now. We're not spectators anymore. We're we're all in it. This is this is uh, global. Show me their names. We'll see what we can do about that. Um. That's mostly what I got today. You know, one of the uh, weird the weird things about this emergency is that 98% of my day can be exactly like it always is, except for the thoughts. You know, my thoughts are sort of preoccupied by this. But 98% of my day is completely normal. And then 2% of the time I think, uh-oh, there's some real big problems and they're really close. So I'm in this two worlds Mind where everything's normal and it's also a big emergency sort of at the same time and, and, and my, my head is going phasing back and forth depending on what I'm doing at the moment. So that's weird. But one good thing that's come out of it, I think I mentioned this before, I'm taking very seriously the, the building up of my personal immunity. So I've always been you know a fitness advocate and, and follower. But I'm taking it to the next level. So I am seriously getting enough sleep, which I've never done before, actually. In no time in my life have I ever attempted to get enough sleep. I've never even tried. Because I, you know, I'm one of these people who can operate on low sleep, and I know it's not good for me, but I like being awake. I just prefer it. Uh, you know, I like being in the world I hate. I just don't like sleeping. So in the past, I just didn't do much of it. Four hours a night, I'm good. I'm fine. Um, But now I'm getting serious about it because it has a a big impact on your immunity, your, your your momentary immunity. So I'm getting enough sleep, and I'm also taking a walk in the sunshine. I'm doing a light exercise. I'm not exhausting myself. That's bad for my immunity. But a little light exercise, get out in the sun, get your vitamin D, builds up your immunity a little bit. So I'm doing that and I'm eating right and I'm you know doing light weight training etc. So here's the weird part. I've never felt better. I'm in the middle of a global pandemic but personally if you ask me how do you feel Scott I'd say well I'm a little embarrassed by this but honestly I've never felt better. And even the social distancing you know, if you if I had to choose, I would interact more with people. I'm just a natural social creature in some context. I'm more of a you know, I need a lot of alone time too, but I'm very happy to interact with people, not during my alone time. Um, but have you noticed that the less you deal with people, the less stress you have? Because stress comes almost Ninety percent of stress comes from other people, so I've decreased my um, exposure to other people in person, and I feel like it's less stressful. <laughs> even even if those people are good people, they're not trying to create problems. It's just normal. People create stress in other people. We don't. We can't turn that off exactly. Just being normal creates stress. So. Um, that's the the irony is that I've never felt better now, I, and I'm getting a little bit addicted to the feeling. It actually feels so good that it's like being on drugs. I, I heard somebody tell me this uh, a similar story some time ago, and I, I scoffed at it. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I, I don't I don't think being super healthy and well rested and stuff feels as good as drugs. And then I got healthy and well rested. It actually feels as good as drugs. Like actually, literally, it literally feels as good as being like a little buzzed on a drug. Just because my health is just peaking, it's just, it just couldn't be possibly better at the moment. All right, um, I'm off the I'm off the prednisone, by the way. I think I've been off it long enough uh, that it's not having too much effect on me. Um Yeah, I I am a hermit, somebody's saying in the comments. Um I, I can be a hermit, but not indefinitely. I need I need people. So I'm an introvert, but I still need a healthy dose of social interaction like most people. Uh let me tell you the funniest thing that I heard yesterday. I won't tell you who said it. Because that person may or may not be watching this video right now, <laughs> but uh, it was a conversation about running out of toilet paper, and uh, somebody who will remain endless said he's training himself to scoot across his front lawn like a dog just in case the toilet paper runs out. Aren't you glad you waited for the end of the periscope for that? And, and I, my immediate feeling was, well, that's a terrible plan. What kind of dumb plan is it that if you run out of toilet paper, you're going to train yourself like a dog to scoot across your front lawn instead? And I said, that's the dumbest plan I've ever heard. Don't your neighbors have lawns? Don't they, you know, aren't they ever asleep? Why would you do it to your own lawn? Now, the lawn part and the dog scooting part, perfect sense. But why would you do it on your own lawn? Your neighbors sleep? Go next door. That's all I'm saying. All right, just joking. If we can't have fun during the coronavirus, we're dead inside. And if you're dead inside, it doesn't matter if you're dead on the outside. So let's not lose our sense of humor entirely. Not entirely. It's a serious deal, but we're still human. Can't lose our humanity. Oh, by the way, somebody mentioned AOC. In the there's a, there's a funny video of AOC saying you shouldn't touch your face. And then they do a, a quick cut of all the time she's touching her face while telling you not to touch your face. Uh, so that's funny, but not meaningful in any way. But here's what is meaningful. AOC did uh, a prime... Was it prime time? I think so. Interview with Brett Bear on Fox News. That's right. AOC went into the, into the lion's den and did an interview on Fox News. Now, why this is important is that um, Democrats in general are very reluctant to appear on Fox News because it feels like the enemy, and they probably don't think they'll get a fair shake and and all that stuff. Um, But AOC broke the seal. Now, what do I tell you about master persuaders, people who are good at it? They take free money. If there's a pile of money on a table everybody will walk by it except the people who are good at this. The people who are good at it will walk by and they'll say, what? Big pile of money on the table? Can I have it? Does this belong to anybody? No, it doesn't. And that's what AOC did. By appearing on Fox News when other Democrats did not, she raised her national profile in a very substantial way. And yeah, of course, all the people on Fox News are saying blah, 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 we don't like you, what you said is bad, etc. You won't remember that. You won't remember that. What you will remember is the AOC went on Fox News and wasn't afraid and and got interviewed by Brett Baer. So first of all, if you're going to go on Fox News, who are you going to pick? All right. You've decided to go on Fox News, you're AOC. Do you pick Sean Hannity? No. <laughs> no, you don't. Do you pick... Tucker Carlson, no, no, you do not, because they're opinion people, and you don't know how that's going to go. But Brett um he's famously, you know, competent, famously independent, fair-minded, you know, news guy. So Brett Baer is a news guy, not the opinion guys. So she picked. In my opinion, you know, maybe Chris Wallace would be another who would be a you know, a good choice for this, but she chose well. She chose the right person. I'm sure other people had asked her, but she chose the right one. So, I'm just pointing that out as technique. You can you can go back to hating her like you used to. All right. Um What else we got going on? Somebody says to me, wasn't she a racist? P-O-S? Um, yes. Yes, she is. Now, it, you can hold both thoughts. Am I not allowed to hold both of these thoughts? That AOC's you know, statements and preferences, etc., suggest strong racism. But that doesn't stop the fact that she's also tremendously talented as a public figure. Those can both be true. What's wrong with that? I'm not going to be the, the person who's just going to take a side. So if you need that, go somewhere else. If you need me to say there's some good and there's some bad about both sides, came to the right place. All right. Um, and I will talk to you later.